Welcome to episode one of a special five-part mini-series, 50 Years of Reflection, Insights from Past Annual Meeting Chairs, celebrating the 50th Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. In each episode, we will spend time with past clinical content committee chairs to learn how the Academy's Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium has evolved over the last half century. I'm Tyler Cagle, a soon-to-be graduate MPO student from UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas, Today, I'm excited to welcome Terry Supin, retired certified prosthetist orthotist and fellow emeritus of the International Society of Prosthetics and Orthotics and the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. Terry graduated from Northwestern's prosthetic and orthotic program in 1974. He has previously served on the American Board for Certification in Orthotics, Prosthetics, and Podorthics, the Commission on Accreditation of Allied Health Education Programs, the National Commission on Orthotic and Prosthetic Education, the Commission on Accreditation of Rehabilitation Facilities, and the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists Board of Directors. Terry was appointed to the International Society for Prosthetics and Orthotics Executive Board and served as treasurer of ISPO until October of 2019. Terry, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure to be here. I think your intro speaks for itself. You have worn so many hats over your several years of service for the OMP profession, and in honor of the upcoming 50th anniversary of the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium, I wanted to talk to you about your perspective on this flagship event over the years. And to my understanding, you served as the chair of the 18th Academy annual meeting that took place March 19th or 24th in 1991 in sunny San Diego, California. Is that correct? I was president of the academy that year, and so I was in charge of everything. I was actually the scientific chairman for the academy meetings that were in 87 and 88. And before that, I was the chair of the education committee for the academy. So that that went all the way back to 84. So I've been involved with academy's education for quite a few years, to say the least. Yeah, and it sounds like you were heavily involved from those beginning years as well. And I really wanted to have you recall your first Academy experience. So I just wanted to know, where was it held? Where were you in your career at that point? Because I remember my first meeting that I had was just this last year. And still being a student, still being rising in this OMP field, I also like to hear from people who've already been established. What was your experience before you got to the position you're in today? When I graduated from the Northwestern program, I went to the research department there. It was in that era in 74 when I joined the academy, but it was also the year I got involved with the education. I was actually became the education chairman for the Midwest chapter first, and that was my starting point and that. And so from there was the, actually the president of the Midwest chapter when I attended my first academy meeting that I can recall. I know that was in uh, 1981 or maybe 80, but it was in San Diego also at the same place. And 10 years later, when I was president of the academy, I said, I want to go back there because of such a good time we had there with my kids and being at the meeting for the first time being exposed to that type of thing. And do you remember what you thought of the event at that point in these more formative years of the academy? Oh, yeah. Again, remembering the fact that the Academy was created because they wanted to have more education for the everyday practitioner. AOPA had always structured itself around business areas and that, and it tended to be more people in charge of things for the ones who went to the meetings. But when in, in 70, when the Academy was created, they wanted to try to focus in on the younger people and within the profession and that. 
And so then when the programs were more technically orientated and there was more how you do things and material exposure and things like that, and that's what was happening at the meetings during that era. And Terry, what did you think of the networking opportunities at the academy? Because I know for, especially for rising professionals, not only is it great to see all your fellow classmates, former classmates, but it's really important to have these connections with everyone that has been in the field a lot longer. And so what do you think of the networking opportunities in the past? And do you still believe that the academy harbors this environment where young students can network? I definitely agree with that point. In my case, I had been reading up people who had written the articles and the stories and the leadership that had occurred in the 50s and 60s as I came into the profession and that. And to be exposed to that at the academy meeting and actually develop friendships with a lot of the senior members of the academy board and senior members of the academy, it was just tremendous. When I think back of who my mentors were during my early years, and then to be able to meet them firsthand and to spend time with them and people I had run into at the exams and things like that and at other, you know, the, the, the regional meetings and that, to be able to see them again at the annual meeting was just tremendous. And that's exactly the kind of relationships that I hope to build, at least whenever I show up to the academy as well. So that's really reassuring to hear from you, especially. And, and they were, yeah, they're lifelong relationships. Not only the fact that I was able to nurture relationships with uh, Carlton Fillower, but Carl Fillower, and now Mike Fillower, three generations of that family, again, with the Snells and with with a whole group of people that, beyond just the people I was exposed to in the Midwest chapter. And again, there's a whole litany of my peers and my mentors that are involved with that area as well. That's amazing to hear, Terry. And I know you also served as the Academy Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposiums Chair in 87 and 88. What was the Academy Annual Meeting structure like then? Oh, that was, again, it was very low-key. The original concept by the Academy was to have, they would try to take the best of the regional Academy meetings and then put them into what they initially called a roundup, which was which happened at, uh, in the very first meetings in that. And it was in, uh, actually, in, I believe it was in 88 or whatever the year that John Billick was president, he changed the title of the meeting to the Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium to enunciate the fact that the quality of the education needed to be improved and to be expanded upon and to be you know, of a higher caliber. There were no continuing education credit necessary during that era for the ABC, so it didn't happen for the Academy either. So there was no signing in or there was no scanning your badges or anything like that. There still wasn't a lot of relationship with the consumer members. Use of patient models was discouraged. People didn't walk through the academy meetings with their prostheses exposed or their orthoses exposed. And that changed during that era. And actually it was in, it would have been in 1988 is that we actually became involved with the Amputee Coalition of America at the time and actually brought someone onto the board in that. And so that meeting, and I believe it was in Tampa, is when uh, we ended up having more consumers involved with the process and that. So to have joint meetings there was there. It also was an era before there were any poster presentations, so the relationship with the students didn't exist as much as it does today. 
Yeah, and just hearing from a firsthand perspective on how the Academy has evolved, how have you seen the content that's been presented at the Academy evolve over the last 30 years? There was a lot of involvement with new techniques and new materials and new processes that were going on within that era. So there was a lot of new exposure to things not in prosthetics. You have to remember in my era, plastic orthoses were being developed. And so for the everyday practitioner, that exposure was really critical for them to be able to see like a better or what was coming down the pike as far as new technologies and new techniques and that. And so it was more of an exposure process. The scientific basis for what we were doing, whatever, still was in its infancy at that point. Research was being done in spotty areas around the country and that. And so it, it was in that phase of changing from technique to scientific basis for what we were doing at that point. And what does the Academy as an organization mean to you? Oh, that's a tough one. It's, it's like saying, which of your grandkids are your favorite grandkid? Because <laughs> I've been involved with the Academy, with ENCOPE, and with ABC, as well as uh, ISPO. So each of those mean the different things to me. But again, the development of the Academy is such, and to being involved with that and seeing it evolve into what it is today as far as the the scientific validity for what we do and but still keeping on a focus on the patient contact and patient care it has to be the number one priority for the everyday practitioner and to be able to make sure that becomes the focal point of themselves and that's what the academy always has encouraged on that end of it the other organizations you get involved with the international process you're getting involved with accreditation with those kind of things but the Academy always comes back, you know, you come back to home or where you roost. Now we know the Academy is your favorite grandchild, so that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> and moving forward with the Academy, what do you envision for these meetings over the next 50 years? Oh, as technology changes and as technology for meetings changes, the Academy is going to have to stay abreast of that. Yeah, and I know we both plan on attending this next meeting as well. It'll be my second ever meeting, and last year's was absolutely outstanding. So the, the bar's already set high. I really do look forward to seeing you there at the next meeting, though. I do as well. That 24 is the 50th anniversary of my graduation, or actually there's a, a get-together being planned by NUPOC, and actually at least four of the alumni with me and my class are going to be getting together, probably some more if we can get a hold of them as well. Chicago is always a good place to go to. Yeah, that, that's actually really nice to hear that you still have those lifelong, career-long partners and friends in this field. And getting to see them, I think that's another reason that a lot of people look forward to this meeting is just getting to touch base again and just see how everyone has done their little part to make the meeting and make the field a better profession. And for us older codgers to be able to see what's happening with the, the new people as are coming in and that, and, and just the expansion and uh, again, the difference in part is the members of the, the academy now compared to what was before. Whereas, you know, in my era, it was a lot of people who were consumers of, of devices were in the within the, the process. Now it's a whole different category of uh, young men and women and total diversity, which, which is really great to have that being happening at the academy meeting these days. Absolutely. And I know I'd said this on the podcast in a previous episode, but just looking forward to how more diverse this field has gotten, bringing a lot more background information, bringing a lot more experiences to the field, it's only going to make it that much better. And so 
That's what I'm really looking forward to in my next 50 years. Terry, thanks again for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode one of 50 Years of Reflection, Insights from Past Annual Meeting Chairs, a special five-part miniseries celebrating the evolution of the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium over the last half century. I hope you will join us for future episodes as we meet with past clinical content committee chairs to learn about how the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium has evolved over the past 50 years. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcasts for ONP professionals. The award-winning ONP Research Insights with Dr. Steve Gard, the award-winning ONP Rising podcast created for emerging professionals in our field, and ONP Clinical Care Insiders featuring key voices in the ONP community discussing their areas of clinical care for sharing personal experiences as professionals in that specialty. For more information on the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists, visit us online at onp.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.